Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash godisgray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, everyone. Today I'm interviewing Isabella Frappier. She is a queer femme Australian who lives in Los Angeles. Isabella is a holistic women's wellness guide, and she specializes in body literacy and sexual sovereignty. Her mission in life is to help women eschew the societal conditioning we were raised to believe about ourselves. We know this, Christian ladies, yes. And Isabella wants us to embrace our feminine powers. She teaches clients one-on-one sessions as well as group workshops on feminine and feminist BDSM. She also works as a writer as a means to further champion her sex-positive agenda. Hello, Isabella. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. That is quite an intro. I love it. (laughs) And it really sums it up. And I want to stress to you guys listening that although Isabella is obviously very um, progressive and might use different vernacular than we would in the Christian community, that I really believe you could learn a lot from her and you can still completely fit it into your Christianity. You can still customize this to your own sexuality and what your comfortability is, whether you're saving yourself for marriage or married or, you know, single and having a good time, whatever you're doing. Isabella's here to just help us talk through some of the shame messaging we've experienced and try to get us healthy mind, body, and soul. That's her mission in life and mine as well. (laughs) So, yes. (laughs) I love that so much. And I wanted to preface this by saying if anyone has questions, concerns, they feel triggered by anything I bring up today, my email inbox is always open and I'm always happy to have a dialogue about it. Yeah, that's awesome. And just to warn you guys, we're going to be talking about definitely some potentially triggering things like rape fantasy and such. So if that's anything you're uncomfortable with, just wanted to give you guys a heads up. All right, where should we start? I would love to start with talking about sexual shame. Yes. God, yes, please. (laughs) Um, Because for me, I most of you guys know my story, but I was saving myself for marriage, and I've really been on a 15-year journey of trying to release myself from shame. And I would say, and I've talked to so many Christian girls that say, 
we separate our spiritual selves from our sexual selves because they our sexuality is demonized in the church. As a woman, if you feel sexual, you're called a Jezebel spirit, mm. which is like the spirit of seduction that can bring down all the men in church and all the good men in your life. Just you being horny is a sign that you are you know, possessed in some way by the devil, literally. So that's the kind of shame we are trying to unpack in our community. I think it's really interesting that you say that about the Jezebel spirit, because I wonder how many people feel so out of control of their sexuality that it becomes this formidable energy that they can't harness because they've never been told the tools. I mean, no, not at all. We're not given any tools whatsoever. It is really, they do this whole, um, it's very lady in the streets, freak in the sheets mentality in church. You are chase, chase, perfect, perfect. Even your thoughts are supposed to be kept in check because of a Bible verse um, where Jesus says, and I love Jesus and I (laughs) never disagree with him, but, um, he says, you know, if you lust after someone's wife, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And I have a whole, you know, synopsis of what I think he really meant by that. But in church, what they do with it is shame you for any, any sexual thought you might have. Everything is considered impure. The way you dress, you know, girls that are more voluptuous have to wear baggy clothing to protect men from their sexuality. And then you wear a white wedding dress one day, you walk down an aisle and you're supposed to be a lioness and you're supposed to please and you're supposed to know everything that you're doing. And I've talked to girls in the Christian community whose sex education was so lacking. They thought the penis goes into you and just sits there. Wow. Like at like 26 years old. (laughs) So that's the extreme of how lacking we are in our education, let alone our understanding of like our feminine power or Mm. the feminine mystique or orgasm or what a clitoris is, you know, and the guys, I hope men are listening to this too, because I, my heart breaks for them as well, because I'm sure they feel guilty for, you know, seeing their wife in a certain way when she's supposed to be this angel. Like, are you allowed to actually ravage her the way that you want to, you know, just the problems go on and on forever. There's such unrealistic expectations as well to Mm -hmm. expect someone to remain pure, even in their thoughts for their entire life. Yeah. And then suddenly have this vibrant sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's to me, it's the equivalent of never training for a marathon. You just stay at home. Don't talk about it. Don't think about it. And then you're dressed up and you're ready to run and you have no idea what you're supposed to do. That is an excellent comparison, I would say. Definitely. And then, of course, you would feel guilty and weird and confused about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what are the first, what are practical steps to unpacking shame? Like, I I don't even know where to begin with that. I think the first for me is acknowledging the variety of different ways we can experience both pleasure and desire. Often they become synonymous with sexuality, which is not necessary. It's perhaps not even helpful. So first acknowledging the beauty in pleasure, and it might be a delicious meal you've made yourself with some healthy, fresh fruits. And maybe there is even a little bit of sensuality around that of nourishing your body or taking a really nice, luxurious 
bath or even rubbing yourself with oils, non-sexually, just sensually. So first acknowledging the beauty and pleasure. And for some people that might seem really approachable and for others, that's a huge divide. It's a massive divide because we, for us, pleasure becomes synonymous with sin all the time. Anytime you... Whether it be like, you know, drinking too much and actually like not even too much, getting a little buzz on and laughing with your friend, you can wake up in the morning and be like, oh my God, that was horrible. I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. And why? Because you felt pleasure that wasn't drawn from your thinking totally from God. Mm -hmm. It's like all of your pleasure is supposed to be derived from God. And a lot of your walk with God is supposed to be about sacrifice and pain Mm. it's almost like the more pain you are in the more you're sacrificing of yourself the more you're like storing up treasure in heaven versus the beauty of what you're saying which is like I mean I had this amazing awakening experience after I got divorced I really felt like God was drawing me to go to New Orleans by myself Mm. and I'd never been on a trip by myself and I was like (laughs) dude, I'm down. Like I just, you know, cause I had found out my husband was cheating on me and I was really like going through it. And I went there and I experienced exactly what you said. I took long sensual baths and walked around the city and breathed in the air and ate a cheese plate and took Mm. my time with the whole thing. And that came really naturally to me. And I, I do acknowledge that was my first step on the process of realizing God is synonymous with pleasure, not with pain. But the church, it, it's the opposite. They teach you different. They teach you that pain is good, right? Yeah. (laughs) Pain and sacrifice. The more you sacrifice, the more you're in pain, the closer you are to God. And you Mm. feel closer to God sometimes too. You feel closer to God when you engage in either Mm. because the pain draws you closer because you find yourself praying more naturally Mm. because you're like, help, help, help all the time. But then if you really do the work, like you said, with the sensual pleasures, you know, I have found for myself, yes, that definitely draws you twice as close to God in my experience. I mean, it's of course how you're raised, what you've been taught, whether or not you believe that God wants you to be in pain or in pleasure. Mm -hmm. I think when we are honoring ourselves and honoring our loved ones and not hurting anyone in our life, being actively kind, I think is really important to me. I don't see how That's being very Christian. in pleasure. <laughs> yeah, like being in pleasure and being kind to ourselves and our loved ones. I think particularly I'm going to speak to women right now. As women, we are often by our families, by our religions, almost indoctrinated into believing that caring for others makes us better people. Absolutely. But when we do that, we burn ourselves out and all of a sudden our care and our compassion and our kindness comes from this really different place. And selflessness can turn quickly to martyrdom. And I yeah, think how would you define that different place? When I'm being selfless and kind with my loved ones, I've already nurtured myself. So I feel healthy. I feel well. I feel, you know, the basics. I'm, I'm hydrated. I've got enough sleep. I'm physically nourished. Maybe I've been working out. So I feel good in my body. Mm-hmm. I have time and energy to give to my loved ones. And what I can give them is also more presence. I'm more presence. I can, I'm more present. I can be a better listener. 
I'm more embodying of love, but I personally feel when that switches over to martyrdom, I haven't taken care of myself. And now I get this weird, I'll be honest, kind of pleasure-filled rush out of taking care of somebody else instead of myself. I mean, I still get that feeling sometimes of like, oh, this is good. I'm caring for others instead of myself. Yeah, that makes sense. It isn't good. And long-term, you're going to end up at best burnt out. Yeah. At best. I remember being on a plane once and it really resonated with me what you're saying when they, you know, when the air drops <laughs> down and they say, yeah. and they have to stress it, right. I'm sure, especially <laughs> to women. They're like, do not put this on your child first. You put it on right. yourself first. I remember the very first time I heard it, I was like, oh my God, that's right. exactly it. And isn't our instinct as women to put that air mask on every child mm-hmm. we can see? Yeah. But how many more children can you help if you just quickly put on yourself first? Exactly. Exactly. It's a pretty reductionary example, but I think it's a good one. Exactly. It's so important to take care of yourself first and then give all the extra to your loved ones. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But I do really think that being kind and being honest and being loving are some of the most important values in my life. But I do think it is the most important to extend them to yourself first. Yeah. And acknowledge any feelings of guilt that come up because they're probably going to come up if this isn't new for you. I still have them years and years after embodying these principles. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I mean, just to sum that up, it would be you first have to acknowledge whether or not you believe God desires you to be in pain or pleasure. Mm -hmm. And if the answer comes up as pain, then you need to, you know delve into that in yourself Mm -hmm. and what what kind of steps do you think someone should take from like transitioning their thoughts from I deserve pain to I deserve pleasure I think going back to what I was saying earlier about pleasure and desire I think the most important first step is recalibrating what you believe those things to be okay so okay you feel you're a person that has been conditioned to believe that pain is more important in your life than pleasure Mm -hmm. so yeah it's going to be confronting for you to try to take a bath because how many other things could you be doing you could be cleaning the house you could be doing baking food for your grandma there's a million lovely selfless things you could be doing right yeah so first practicing whatever feels small and approachable something that you can manage something that afterwards you can feel that you achieved even if it's going for a beautiful walk in nature, walking around the block, engaging in your senses. So the first step is reintroducing yourself to pleasure. And I'm not even going to get into the sexual realm yet because that is too big of a divide to try to bridge. I mean, I love that though. Just the thought that you can start thinking about delving into your sexual pleasure by making it about your sensual pleasures yeah. first, meaning your like five senses and feeling in those. that you deserve that. Yeah. That is, I honestly think, and particularly for women, but for all agendas, I really think that is sometimes the most challenging part feeling like you deserve to have a long bath, a nice walk, a dip in the ocean, a beautiful fruit bowl, whatever it is that brings you joy, getting your nails done. I don't know. I'm not particularly girly like that, (laughs) but whatever it is that brings you joy, challenging yourself to do it and tell yourself that you deserve it and know within yourself that it's going to bring you more energy that you can then extend out to your loved ones like their oxygen masks. Yeah. Well, when we transition to talking about sexual pleasure, then how do you 
how do you take those skills you might have acquired with the sensual pleasures and bring them into that area? So first, once you're, once you're feeling a bit more comfortable with non-sexual and perhaps sensual pleasures, I will then look at, uh, then urge you to look at desire. So perhaps you're noticing, hmm, I've been practicing these things and I'm kind of desiring to have a nice long bath. That is still non-sexual, but you're engaging in the sensation of desire or maybe you're desiring a nice cuddle with your partner that's non-sexual. You want that physical intimacy with them. That is desire and desire is not inherently bad. So becoming more Can and more... Can you say that one more time? Desire is not inherently bad. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, desire is a really broad term and it could be your partner, your loved one is in danger and you desire to help them. You want to help them. You know, it can be you desire to do more community service. That's a desire. There is nothing bad about desire. I think the only bad desires are ones that would hurt others right? Yeah. So getting more and more comfortable with pleasure, desire, and feeling that you deserve those things is the most important first step. And then we can get into sexuality. Okay. (laughs) So the first thing that I suggest when you're either exploring your sexuality for the first time, or you're trying to rediscover it and reclaim it for yourself, which is part of my message of sexual sovereignty, meaning I embody I own, I am in control of my sexuality. It can't be taken from me. No one can use it. It does not uh, diminish from use, right? The more sexual encounters we have with ourselves or with others does not diminish our sexuality. Yeah, let's (laughs) stay on this for one second because I just want to acknowledge that many of us in the Christian community have been taught that our virginity is our worth, 100%. And I remember even when I was married and I wasn't a virgin anymore, I didn't have a sense of self. I didn't know how to like figure out if I was a good girl anymore. Mm-hmm. Because when I was a virgin, I'm obviously a good girl. It's mm-hmm. tangible. I can it's see black it. black and white. It's black and white. And also the men are being taught that our worth is in our virginity. Mm. So a lot of Christian men have broken up with girls because they weren't virgins, even if the boy himself wasn't a virgin, Mm. because we've been taught you're a half-eaten candy bar or a dirty glass of water, that you will be giving a part of yourself to someone that you will never get back, Mm -hmm. which I also think is interesting because what is your opinion on when someone has multiple sexual partners are you giving a piece of yourself away i don't think so as long as you're being intentional about it intentional sexuality is extremely important how would you define intentional sexuality being clear about what your purpose is beforehand so sometimes we might have a sexual encounter and yes i when i refer to sex sexuality sexual encounters i very much mean by yourself as well Mm -hmm. so masturbation is still very much a sexual encounter. Sometimes afterwards we might realize we were perhaps a little unclear on what our intention was. So I think it's very important beforehand to spend some time with yourself, whether or not the sexual encounter is going to be by yourself or with a partner, and feel really clear about what your intention is. So perhaps you have multiple partners at the same time, or you have multiple partners throughout the course of your life. 
if you're being clear beforehand about what your intention is and you are being communicative, you feel safe with those people, those people feel safe with you, there's communication, there's trust, there's respect, there's intentionality, I think that's beautiful. No one's getting hurt. What's an example of how a conversation like that would go with a partner? Well, beforehand, I, I feel conversations around sexuality should not be had in the bedroom. Okay. okay. Good idea. <laughs> it, it gets a little squirrely at that point. Yeah. You know, we become very vulnerable. Most people feel very vulnerable emotionally, sometimes physically too, during sex. Yeah. And I think it's important to have these conversations when we feel a little more sturdy within ourselves. So perhaps you might be sitting in the lounge room beforehand, right? I would suggest a lot of eye contact open, loving conversation, you might say something along the line, in this scenario, are we going to pretend that we've had sex with this person before, or this might be the first time? Because I want to give some like specific examples. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I can do both. I would say the majority of people I'm talking to are, they've already had sexually traumatic experiences, meaning whether they've been violated and it's been taken from them, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes by leadership, pastors, worship team leaders, men that they trusted in their churches, and then that blame was put back on them because of modesty culture, mm-hmm. what were you wearing? There's a massive, massive rape culture problem in mm-hmm. our American church. Um, so a lot of girls are coming out of that, and then on the less severe side, which is where I'm coming from, I was just haphazardly falling into bed with people because I was trying to sexually free myself. Mm. And I thought sexual freedom was about, you know, I just thought the only way to explore that would be to be free and to let all of my inhibitions go and just go for it. And also separate myself from God. So Mm. I think a lot of us are traumatized in that we've been compartmentalizing our sexuality and our body for like and our spirit for so long into three distinct separate like mm. groups that they are all in discord and they yeah. don't align anymore so i think the majority of us are sitting in that lounge room coming out of that range of experience Well, the first thing I actually want to say is I would like to, and this is almost a separate topic for a different podcast, but I would really like to acknowledge how I personally feel the concept of virginity is very toxic. Please get into that. (laughs) Please. Yes. I think the way, and I'm not just talking religion, I'm talking modern Western societies in my experience have made virginity this complicated, confusing, patriarchal, oppressive concept and simultaneously held it up on a pedestal. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, not just women, but predominantly women, their virginity was, and even just the words losing your virginity, I hate, but their, their experience of losing their virginity wasn't consensual. There wasn't, oh, they perhaps weren't of age to consent. It wasn't a, an encounter they wanted to have. And now for the rest of their lives, they feel like their virginity, that experience wasn't their own. So I don't like to use the term like virginity. I prefer consensual sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. So your first consensual sexual encounter. I so love that, yeah. Going back mm-hmm. to... Uh, 
your question of can I give an example of this, I would like to say whether it's your first consensual sexual encounter, perhaps you had trauma in the church or anywhere, because there's a lot of places you can experience sexual trauma. If your first sexual experience didn't feel consensual, you could still identify, in my opinion, my personal opinion only, I feel you can still identify with being a virgin. You haven't had a first consensual sexual experience. I love that. I think that anyone could appreciate that, and I think that's very valid. It's a very valid way to look at it. So that just that's something that really hurts me on a deep level when I hear that from people, that they feel that's been taken from them. So regardless of what your sexual history has been up to the point of this hypothetical conversation with your partner beforehand, mm-hmm. I would say talking to them about what your experiences up to that point have been, perhaps even acknowledging things that you feel might be a trigger for you sexually. An example might be, I would not like to be in a certain position because that might bring up some trauma for me or I wouldn't like you to use these words. I prefer if you touched me in this specific way. I'd prefer if you didn't pull my hair or I would like you to pull my hair. Being really clear beforehand on what you're looking for. Um, even I do teach a lot about BDSM, but I'm not looking at that right now. But I do think a lot of the principles of BDSM are very beautiful in non-kink or vanilla encounters so having things like a safe word I think that's beautiful even if you're having the most again vanilla sex encounter I think it's wonderful to have a series of words that you can say to your partner and you can use the traffic light system if that's easy for you so you could say yellow means hey some stuff's coming up for me and I'd like to slow down for a minute and talk to you about it and then red would be I need to stop having sex right now and process this trauma so having I think it's so important to have a really clear intention about what your sexual encounter is going to be. And that does involve communication around trauma, expectations, boundaries. And then on the more positive side, what you'd like it to be. So maybe it's your first time having a sexual experience with a particular partner. Your intention might be to explore each other's bodies, to feel connected to their spirit, their energy, to feel the maximum amount of pleasure you can. And going back into a loose concept of virginity, you could also discuss what you would feel comfortable with. You might say, I would like to enjoy kissing with you and feeling the weight of each other's bodies, but that's about as far as I'd like to go. And having that established beforehand, I think is really beautiful. (laughs) Well, the two things on my mind, I mean, I love that. Um, The two things on my mind though are that, one, you're already... This conversation implies you're with a very evolved partner that is down to sit down on a couch with you and hear about your triggers and your past and your history. This is obviously not a, I picked you up at a bar and now we're at the house situation. You know what though? If if your partner isn't down to have a honest, mature conversation beforehand, I didn't... I wouldn't want to be having sex with that person. If I pick someone up at a bar, I want to still be able to have that conversation with them. Yeah. I mean, and now I'm at that place now when I was just, you know, I mean, I want to call it abusing myself because that is what it felt like, but I was just so disconnected. Mm -hmm. You know, it felt like the only choice I had was to go into things blindly and then assess how they felt afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I'm still processing a lot of those afterwards moments now. And to credit everything you're saying, I'm very much in a place now where I want the exact opposite and exactly what you're saying. And there are definitely people that I've been in bed with that I 
that would have never even tolerated a conversation like that, you know? And I think that's a beautiful way to weed out people that you should not be engaging yeah. with at all. And yeah, that would be good a litmus test for yeah. <laughs> your sexual partners. I mean, I'm not a person to tell anyone, man, woman, child, whatever your identification is, what they should do, what kind of sexual partner they should choose. But for me personally, if you can't show up and have that conversation, get out of my house. Like, yeah. I'm not interested. And yeah, that's a good test for somebody if they're willing to show up and have that conversation with you. Yeah, and I think too in church we're taught, you know, if a guy is willing to wait, if they're willing to wait, mm, wait, wait. That's the value that's placed? Yeah, he's a man that's willing to wait, so he's like the ideal sexual partner. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's the guy that's willing to listen and yeah. the guy that's willing to respect everything that you're saying and, and asking for. Yeah, someone that will respect you. And if that involves waiting, great, that's part of that. Yeah. And the second thing that came up for me when you were talking was how difficult it would be for the average Christian girl to actually sit down and have that conversation. Mm. Like just the capability to acknowledge she deserves pleasure and that her red lights don't have to be every single time she starts feeling a little too much pleasure or she starts feeling a little too comfortable mm -hmm. in bed, you know. Those are the moments where a lot of girls say, stop, because I'm a bad girl. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't even be here. Wow. Well, I mean, I actually think that is a beautiful time to stop and communicate that with your partner. Say, I feel really overwhelmed by how much pleasure I'm having right now, and I'm having feelings of undeservedness. Yeah. And give your partner the opportunity to support you in that, mm. to help you through that. I'll be completely honest, transparent, vulnerable right now. That still comes up for me now. Oh, Sometimes when I have sex, I will still get to a level of pleasure that I haven't experienced before. And years and years and years of societal conditioning comes into my body and says to me, do you deserve that? <laughs> That's so bizarre. So it's something mm -hmm. I think even, you know, the most sexually evolved people, not saying I'm the most sexually evolved <laughs> person. You're doing well. <laughs> but I think we all, you know, can feel that. And being completely honest, I do say to my partner when that ha is happening to me, even if it's in the middle of sex. Well, that's awesome. I do. I, <laughs> I feel like my mentality is I shut the bedroom door and ask <laughs> God to wait outside. And then I allow myself to be completely uninhibited and I feel free to experience pleasure. But I've also been only allowing myself to be with a partner that loves and respects me which is mm. brand new for me so that has completely elevated and changed everything as well um he has absolutely no judgment of me whatsoever mm. and I've never experienced that either and even in secular culture um I was with a guy for example that I really loved and I gave myself to I just adored him and he one time he was like getting a sense of my history because I did have a trampage phase, as I like to call it, <laughs> which is when I was being completely blindly, just like right. trying to, like I said, assess things in the aftermath and mm -hmm. not taking account of like what I was actually doing. Um, and he was a very jealous person. And one time he was like, you know, I'm just really scared to marry a whore. Wow. And I was like, like a girl that has sex for money. And he's like, no, just a whore. And that was obviously traumatizing, but I believed him and I've talked to a lot of men and had experiences with men that 
validated that again. And I think their social conditioning is similar to ours and that like they don't want to marry a quote whore. Right. I mean, that's an impossibly hurtful statement to make to somebody. Yeah. At the same time, I, I would acknowledge the level of pain and conditioning that that person has been through as well. I don't think, um, you know, to define it loosely, I don't think patriarchal, because that is what we're talking about, different standards for men and women, um, as well as religious conditioning, I don't think that only negatively affects women. I think it really affects both, and not, sorry, not both genders, all genders. I think that affects all genders negatively. Yeah. It's not a good outcome for anybody there. Yeah, exactly. I, um, my heart goes out to men 100%. I have a quick question for you. I'm curious. You said you leave God out of the bedroom. Can you tell me even more about that? Um, I talked to another Christian girl recently who said the same thing because, well, it's just another way of saying compartmentalizing. Yeah. And, um, because I don't feel what I'm doing is wrong, especially in this relationship that I'm just now coming out of. I found it to be the most restorative, beautiful, wonderful, sensual, awesome experience. Mm. And it healed me in so many ways. We're still best friends. I love him forever. Um, so I was comfortable because I was seeing so much healing in my life, not only sexually, but emotionally. And my career started taking off in different ways. He just supported me so much. Everything was like in Christianity, they say, look at the fruit. The fruit was all ripe and ready to eat. It was beautiful. Oh my God, that's such a sexy metaphor. <laughs> like, There's a ooh. lot of sexiness going on Look in church. Look at the fruit. If you think about a Catholic church with like the red carpets and like candles yes. and the incense. There's like, it's, it's very super erotic. It's, yeah, there's a lot of eroticism there. Trust me. I have my Jesus <laughs> fetish <laughs> fantasy I'm issues. Sure. Um, but there was so much good fruit in that. So I, in the daytime could be walking around and being like this is clearly an amazing relationship for me the fruit is evident we love each other I don't feel bad about this at all I'm not sinning um but then when we were actually in bed it would be like okay but just like wait out there I know you're okay with this but just like I'm gonna pretend Mm. I'm not a Christian girl for this allotted time and then I'll meet you back outside Mm. (laughs) so like for you Christianity and sexuality still need to be separate to a degree yeah and I'm just I'm so honored to be doing this God is great project because now I'm getting to meet women like yourself and you know sex positive people and people coming from different traumas and different perspectives and it's causing me forcing me to excavate these things in myself because I when I kind of emancipated myself and left church I was like, okay, and that will be in my past, and I will no longer feel guilty about this anymore. <laughs> and now that I'm doing this so project, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that I'm doing this project, I'm like, mm, compartmentalizing isn't actually getting over anything. Yeah. It just means that I got better at ignoring the feelings that I was having. Mm. It's interesting for me. Um, I spent just to give a little backstory. When I was a teenager, I went to a Catholic girls' high school, and I spent maybe a couple of years like somewhere between two and four, maybe, um, being in the Anglican faith. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a a level of understanding of Christianity. But for me, I define God as the intangible life force 
that exists. So some people call like the universe or universal energy, whatever your definition is. For me, uh, sexually is when I feel closest to that energy. That I think is the greatest tragedy of all in Christianity, which is that um, there's an author from, I think the 1920s-ish, and he wrote a book where this woman was in a conventional marriage, you know, Catholic, I believe, and she was doing her wifely duties and perfect, perfect, perfect in every way. And she goes out into the field and there's like this beautiful, you know, black man working in the field. And he, they have this like animalistic, passionate love affair. And she, he explores her bodies in all these ways that she never thought possible and that her husband would have never been comfortable with. And she emancipates herself and, you know, all this stuff. And... I found out later, and I wish I could remember the guy's name, but the author was very much so my kindred spirit in that he believed sex was sacramental. Mm. And he kept trying to tell people, because he was very Christian, that he felt we were completely missing this beautiful opportunity to draw closer to God through our sexuality. And when I say that, it makes me so uncomfortable right now because it sounds blasphemous to me like not to my heart or to my soul but to my intellect Mm -hmm. my like bogarted (laughs) messed up intellect that I was given um and I feel that it's such a grave oversight and it's some way that people would call the devil or like dark energy in the world keeps us away from God because if we are having this magnificent experience this moment where you do feel like heaven touching earth like if you hear a beautiful masterpiece of a song Mm -hmm. I feel like it's heaven touching earth you have this like out of body experience where you have like pleasure that you almost feel like you want to leave your body Mm because you're like oh my god this is taking me to a different place and sex could and should be that way but if sex is dirty and it's for procreation and it's in the confines of marriage for one woman, one man, forever and ever, Mm -hmm. amen, then you're not allowed to discover what happens in that moment of orgasm when your body is being transcended in a way, when you guys as a couple are experiencing something together that's so elevated and out of this world and even saying this still, I feel blasphemous. Wow. So I'm like, how, how dare I say that God would actually be in our sexuality to that degree? I think it's interesting. And I think question asking is a beautiful tool for things like this. And asking of yourself, asking of your family, asking perhaps of your religious community. Why is pleasure like truly on like, you know, tell me why is pleasure so bad when it is for love for the self? when it is for love for the partner, it's for love. And to me, a non-Christian woman, so I will you know, <laughs> give that caveat, pleasure is really synonymous with that which is higher than ourselves, however you want to define that. Mm-hmm. There's so much beauty in pleasure. It's like the opposite of being hurtful, right? Yeah. No, I know. Which is, to my understanding of the Christian faith, really important, is loving each other. I've had a personal definition of sin for these 15 years that I've been on this journey, which is that 
sin is something that harms you or anything else, whether that be nature and the planet mm-hmm. or yeah, I agree. the sexual partner that you tumble into bed with because you thought he was hot and you wanted to use him for it. You know, those are harming people potentially. So I've been personally calibrating my life and my choices based in that definition of sin. And it has elevated my life like I can't even describe to you because, and it still doesn't mean that I always feel peace, that God isn't on my side. If I have a particularly amazing meal, but it's a little out of my budget, I'm like, well, is it a sin? Like, did I do something bad? If I have an amazing sexual experience, but it's not a partner of mine that I'm monogamous with, was I sinning? And then I try to keep going back to like, was I did I harm myself? And if I have had a conversation like you said, or I've looked that person in the eyes and I knew I had that mutual respect and adoration, even if it wasn't happily ever after love, then I have to walk away and be like, no, okay, no, I don't think that was a sin. And it's a journey and a process. I think asking yourselves those questions is really important. And based on your definition of what is a sin. You know, I, I personally, I don't think masturbation and sex when it's consensual, loving, communicative, safe, falls into that. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that a lot of people listening will have feelings come up when they hear this kind of talk. And some of them might be, okay, well, maybe if I masturbate, I'm not going to be productive. You know, something, even something really simple like that. I really urge people to look at their subconscious what their subconscious says when they listen to conversations like this. Mm. If you, if for example, you feel that if you masturbate, it will make you like non-productive. You'll be some lazy masturbator that just lays <laughs> out masturbating all day, right? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, is that true? Or can you masturbate in the morning and enjoy feeling connection with yourself? And yes, perhaps connection with that, which is higher than ourselves. And then feel grounded and present and happy and go and have a beautiful, productive day where you take care of yourself and you take care of others. Can you debunk some masturbation myths for me? Of Which course. Let <laughs> yeah. me try to think of some. Um, well, the ones that I have yes, that, tell me yours. Um, and they're obscene and absurd. Um, <laughs> pastors say that if you masturbate, especially as a woman, that you will not be able to orgasm with a partner. Oh, wow. I love that one. Okay, so first off, I hate especially as a woman. Because we, you know, I think we're all a bit tired of these double standards. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that is categorically inaccurate. I think the more we come to understand our body, the more comfortable we are orgasming with others. Also, I would ask, if you've never touched yourself for the purpose of pleasure, you're putting a great burden on your partner to understand how to touch you for pleasure. And nobody is the same. Nobody likes the same thing. So it's not like your partner can memorize a fun sequence chart they can do on you right (laughs) so being able to know what your body likes and being able to tell your partner what you like physically I think I would be surprised if it doesn't facilitate easier orgasms and should a man be intimidated when his woman knows how she wants to be touched I'm not going to tell anyone how they should feel but (laughs) I would be thrilled if my partner if I you know had a new partner and they were like hey I've been experimenting with my body I found some stuff that feels really good. Can I show it to you? I'd Mm. be like, yes, show me. (laughs) And then let's practice so I can bring you the same amount of pleasure. Yeah. 
And that, that is beautiful too, because as partners, it's supposed to be, you know, growing towards each other and yeah. elevating each other. And what better way to express your love than to love yourself first, back to the stupid, you know, plain scenario with the mask, you know, mm -hmm. if you're learning your forms of pleasure and how to release yourself of guilt and shame, and you're doing that hard work on your own mm -hmm. by actively masturbating and like allowing yourself to have these conversations with yourself and with a higher power and then bringing that to your partner yes you will they will love that you know they're bringing you more pleasure because you know what your center is and vice versa you'll be more comfortable giving them the ultimate pleasures and Absolutely. you can keep growing as partners together in True. that <laughs> all right hit me with another masturbation myth masturbation <laughs> myth <fun>. is that <laughs> The more you masturbate, the more you will desire it, and you eventually won't be able to handle it, and you'll need to have premarital sex. Okay, so one of the reasons I love this one is because I think it ties into a really common theme of not being able to trust yourself. Amen. We're never given permission to trust ourselves in church, mm -hmm. and that is a grave oversight as well. I think you should feel confident in yourself that you're going to be able to balance your life. I think it really comes down to that. You're, you know, but I will say, I think there is a little grain of truth to that one because I think the more we identify pleasure, the more we look for it. Mm. And I think for me, that's a real positive. That's a real beautiful thing. I think when we're comfortable with our sexuality, when we're comfortable with the pleasure in our body, we may notice it in different times. An example would be maybe you're in a job interview. And if you feel really shut down from your body, you might not notice that your hands are sweating and your stomach's churning and you have a gut instinct that this is a really bad job for you or this boss is not a person you want to work with. But if you've shut down your body, you might not feel it. Mm -hmm. So while that might seem disconnected initially, I think the more we learn to listen to our body, the more it can teach us. That is so important because we vilify our body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And not only pleasure, but... There's another verse that says, you know, don't desire things of the flesh. Mm. And that is a massive hang up for many people because they equate flesh to anything pleasure mm -hmm. and thereby are constantly disconnecting their body from the experiences they're having. So even if someone is masturbating, they could be doing so in a frenzy in the shower full of guilt. I've talked to Christian girls that masturbate in a clinical way yeah. and try to um, shut off their mind so they're not having impure thoughts and it just becomes clinical because they still need the release, mm -hmm. but they're scared to sin. Well, I mean, I think my own kind of version of this, of like a unequivocal truth in my reality is why do women have a clitoris right? Why do we, Such, it's, yeah. oh, it's sole purpose is for pleasure. So, and that is just, you know, scientifically accurate. So if you believe that God created the body, mm -hmm. you know, Adam and Eve, he created Eve with a clitoris, which is a part of your body that exists exclusively for pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good point. <laughs> and I can say my experiences with men, if you have one man, that thinks periods are gross mm -hmm. and he's like very unevolved sexually. Um, 
yeah, they might project some of that guilt onto you and help you feel like you don't deserve pleasure. And then if you have a more emotionally, sexually evolved partner, they die to bring you pleasure. Like no one is celebrating the clitoris more than a man that actually knows love and yeah. knows like the depth of his own spirit and his own heart. So, you know, if you're with a Christian guy that's like triggered by your pleasure, you need to not be with that guy. Yeah, or ask him why he feels that way and explore that together. Let that yeah. be a open, non-judgmental conversation. And I got judgy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, kick him out of there. Out. <laughs> but I will say, um, just looping back to if you're with a person who is scared or triggered by your period, um, just chat to them about how they were formed as a human being. And that the <laughs> menstrual cycle is integral to create human life. And they essentially were one, even if they're male-bodied, they are one of many of their mother's menstrual cycles. They were just one that didn't shed. Yeah. So. <laughs> I also talk to Christian men that are very intimidated by the idea that a woman will be capable of giving herself pleasure because that will make him less valuable in their relationship and also very terrified of her having any sex toys especially mm -hmm. anything that looks phallic I think that's really interesting and I think with with all myths or fears or concerns I think there's always some type of truth that we can find in there and when we find that it becomes helpful so a lot of my work is on duality, the masculine and the feminine. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to preface that by saying that gender and sexual orientation and the role you fulfill in society are not relevant to your masculine or feminine expression. So a female-bodied person in a relationship with another female-bodied person may, one of those uh, women may feel that they identify more with the masculine polarity than one of the more feminine. That's just my preface. But um, for convenience, I'm probably just going to refer to them as male and female. Okay. okay? <laughs> um, I think that people with a masculine polarity want to fix, they want to solve, they want to be needed, and they want to have a purpose. This mm. is like very important to masculine energy people feminine energy people are more focused on love connection pleasure the earth creation creation is the number one thing they tend to be focused on um, it can be with child it can be with art it can be with job can be with making dinner you know any type of creation so for that myth uh i would say or misconception i would say that the male-bodied person is probably coming or sorry not the male body person, the masculine energy person in that role is probably coming from a place of wanting to feel purpose, wanting to feel needed, and fear. Fear that they won't be able to be enough for their partner. And what would it mean if their partner can meet their needs by themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So again, it comes back to communication. The female energy person being able to say to their partner, Yes, I can bring myself pleasure, and yes, it feels wonderful, and yes, it feels wonderful when you bring me pleasure, and those things exist together. They're not independent, and one isn't going to overtake the other. Yeah. It's in balance. That's really important. And this is difficult as well because we are very gendered in church. Mm. The woman is meant to submit to her husband in all the big household decisions, leadership in 
the church is discouraged with women, not across the board, but I find that even in the most, quote, progressive churches I've been to, they still have these issues because of that submission Bible verse. And I think it leaves both people with so many questions because I think when a man feels you know, that feminine energy coming in, he's supposed to deny it and he's mm-hmm. supposed to be strong and take care of things and and the same vice versa. If a woman has a strong opinion or she has a better idea or she wants to educate herself, that has been discouraged. Women, women haven't gone to college mm. because they're supposed to be that gendered, male and female. Um, how do you think Christians could start coming to terms with balancing masculine and feminine energy within themselves? I think it comes from self-acceptance and self-understanding, but I think acknowledging, look at your life and look at some of the ways where maybe your masculine energy is helpful and some of the ways where your feminine energy is more helpful. So some examples might be for a female identifying person, you might feel that your masculine energy helps you go to work and be productive, helps you make lists or you know be efficient when you're accomplishing a task and your female energy helps keep you grounded your female energy may be focused on again pleasure and desire taking baths going for walks nurturing your family nurturing yourself and when we have the duality in them and allowing those two things to coexist that's when I truly think that we are happy and efficient and balanced we Mm -hmm. can't I, I think it's uh I think it's an unreasonable expectation to ask one person to exclusively embody one of those energies. Absolutely. It causes people a lot of pain. And burnout and resentment. And mm-hmm. It's too much. We need, to have, we need to have a balance in our relationships and in our relationship to ourselves. How could a man that feels he's been given that charge start gaining comfortability in his partner sometimes being the masculine energy and him sometimes being the feminine energy? Oh my gosh, I love this question. (laughs) I love this question. I mean, I really feel that men are sometimes perhaps unaware of the way these patriarchal concepts negatively affect them. Mm -hmm. It's so much pressure on men to be perhaps the breadwinner, always the one that makes the decision, always the one initiating sex, always the one with the creative outgoing energy I think that's an overwhelming burden and I think acknowledging that is probably the first step for a man to embrace both of his natures a little bit more Mm -hmm. and I would talk I would urge him to talk to his partner about that say hey I really I really love doing these things it makes me feel really good and it makes me feel valued and important in our relationship just saying that is vulnerable just saying that is feminine energy because you are opening yourself up with your partner. You're being vulnerable. You're letting them see that sometimes that can be a little bit hard. That can be a lot of a burden. And being able to communicate about that, that lets your partner soften, that lets you soften, that lets beautiful intimacy in. Mm. And I think perhaps if they're seeing some more masculine energy coming up in their partner, again, there's feelings of not feeling valid, not feeling needed will probably come up. Talk to your partner about them. Again, that's feminine energy talking to your partner. Hey, when you do this, I feel a little bit that way. I'm okay, I'm okay feeling that way, but I want to talk to you about it. Yeah. 
What would you say to the trauma of when someone does allow themselves that vulnerability and they are shut down by the other person? Unfortunately, it happens. Mm -hmm. We're not all as emotionally evolved as we might like to be. And certainly not everybody in our life is the same way. At the end of the day, you can only control yourself and the way you speak and the way you communicate the honesty and vulnerability you have with others. You have to feel good about what you do and you say and then release it after that. The way someone else reacts, if it's negative, teaches you more about that person than it teaches you about yourself. Yeah. When if if in that example, say that exact example where a a male was telling his female partner ways he felt vulnerable, ways he felt insecure, if they didn't handle that well, your partner is telling you that, you know, maybe they need some support, maybe they're not ready to have these conversations that maybe brings up insecurity to them. So continuing to soften in that challenge. Yeah. But I will say if your partner continues to do that over time, you may want to evaluate if that's a relationship you want to be in. Yeah. I I love that. I think it's important to have Mm -hmm. partners that hold our vulnerability safely in their hands. I love that too, because I do have (laughs) some bitterness to work through. I think I do get a little bitter when I hear about these relationships that were like constructed in church that follow these guidelines that are in a box. And these people have been living this way for X number of years. And one of the partners does shut it down. It kind of, my initial reaction is just like, just leave them, get, get out of there. But I love that you're basically saying like, don't give up so easily. It yeah. doesn't mean you have to completely abandon ship just because you're starting to exercise your vulnerability muscles and you're starting to gain comfortability in your sex life and you want to evolve it just because your partner doesn't get on board immediately. Just having patience with them and love and kindness will help you both grow in leaps and bounds. I mean, compassion and patience, I think, are some of the most valuable qualities in life and particularly in relationships, but to ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. Our partners aren't always going to respond in the perfect ways and that needs to be okay. Yeah. And I think in that scenario, you'd have compassion for your partner for an allotted period of time. And if you keep getting the same stubborn response, then you have to start exercising compassion for yourself, Yeah, which would be to potentially not be in that scenario anymore. Right. And the other thing is, what do you value in a partner? Do you value someone who is self-aware and for whom (laughs) personal development is important, right? Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. okay to have those values and it's okay to not pursue a relationship with someone who doesn't share them. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. What else do we got? I'm super happy to talk about um, ways to use pleasure and masturbation to like manifest, change, grow, and make decisions. I don't know if that's too confronting to the listeners. No, no. Okay, I'll just give them a heads up. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to get into something that might be a bit controversial because I know that it's actually triggering for me again as far as blasphemy and sin and not not disrespecting God goes, which is all about aligning your sexuality with your spirituality, with your relationship with God. And I've been hearing a lot more about masturbation as a means to manifest or pray and meditate. And I am admittedly very uncomfortable with that. But I still wanted Isabella to get into it with both me and all of us to just see if we can gain some comfortability with it, we can maybe consider that God might be open to these ideas. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sorry for giggling. <laughs> Don't um, be sorry. It's yeah. <laughs> so one of the first things I think is really important to hear is acknowledging that sexuality and pleasure can have many purposes. It's my understanding that that is kind of a confronting notion in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some people have the procreation narrative and that's it. So right. that's the kind of mentality you're coming up against for some people. And sex can be about procreation. Indeed. <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> um, and that's beautiful. There's little more I love in life than co- the concept of conscious conception, actively choosing when to bring your child into this world. Mm. But I think oh, that's that, a whole other topic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that sexuality and pleasure for me need to have a lot of different purposes and that might be really uncomfortable for a lot of people listening I mean you don't have to tiptoe too hard but (laughs) like just give it to us so I would urge you if that is coming up as uncomfortable again going back to asking yourself questions as to why and allowing yourself a little time and space to maybe debunk some of the personal myths and misconceptions that each person may have around sexuality and pleasure. I, I mean, it's as basic as like, God shouldn't even be in this room or right. God will be mad at me if I try to pray while I'm masturbating. Mm-hmm. Could you, or is it witchcraft to be trying to like pray and manifest things while you have? Cause I do understand the sexual power and harnessing that to supposedly get a result from it. Mm. Witchcraft. Oh, I see where you're going there. That's certainly. <laughs> a I think those are like topic. the definite, you know, um, things that will be thought of when you bring this up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm not <laughs> going to talk about witchcraft, but I would love to hear what you, what is your personal definition of prayer? My personal definition. I am so not organized in my days I love waking up on a Monday and having no idea what I'm doing Wednesday it's like the best feeling for me so I don't have routines or structure generally um and so I find having like a prayer morning doesn't really work for me it's more like prayer to me is talking to God throughout the day and all circumstance I get a lot of prayer done in my car Mm. it's just expressing my love and gratitude and then usually moving into questions and doubts fears I, I like being very vulnerable with God I'll say I'm really scared to masturbate and pray what do you think about that I think those are very valid questions to ask of the creator okay so I love that and to me that is the same definition as masturbation for me okay it is a time where you can reflect you can connect with yourself. You can connect with what is you know, higher than you, whether that's God or the universe. And it is a beautiful time to express gratitude. It's a beautiful time to ask questions of yourself, ask questions of others. And by others, I again mean God, the universe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not just like random people. Um, usually Call masturbation is so I think it is a beautiful time for that as well as learning to listen to your body about what feels good. So that could be one of the ways you can use masturbation if you're interested in it would be 
any kind of self-pleasure that doesn't have to be genital contact, any kind of self-pleasure, and then holding two concepts in your head. So it might be, I've done a lot of job interview stuff today for some reason in these examples, but let's (laughs) say like you're deciding between two different career tracks, masturbating while thinking about them and seeing which one is bringing your body more joy. Interesting. Right? That's a way to start noticing. I don't, I'm just trying to to figure out how that would even turn me on. (laughs) It's not so much. Okay. So that's a really good point actually, because it's not so, I think a lot of people have a concept of masturbation being goal oriented. Right. Around orgasm. Totally. It is not. It is just a time of personal pleasure. Mm. So it doesn't have to turn you on necessarily. It doesn't have to make you come. But that's actually really freeing uh, as a concept because I think a lot of us get worried about our fantasy life, you know, like, and especially with pornography, for example, I have very nuanced and complicated ideas about pornography and I look at it from all angles and, you know, even the idea of moving away from that and just focusing on, I'm not trying to come. This is just me learning my body, giving myself pleasure, whether or not it leads to orgasm or not is just sounds really freeing and a way to disconnect yourself from more, the more like unhealthy thought patterns you might be having. Cause I think to the contrary, most of us have really potentially dark thoughts when we masturbate. Some negative sexual experiences can come up or, negative desires, anger, fear. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's okay to let those come up. And the the less we are focused on orgasm and focused on pleasure, you can allow those to come up during masturbation and think about them. Be like, oh, I'm thinking about my ex who was really mean to me. Okay, why am I feeling that way? Mm. Asking yourself those questions, reflecting. I think it is a beautiful time to express gratitude Mm. even I'm going to say the the simplest, easiest, most approachable way, hopefully for people with this practice would be feeling grateful for having a physical body. I feel really grateful in my life to have a physical body. And then I'm super privileged that it is an, an able-bodied body, right? Mm-hmm. I can walk, I can run, I can jump, I can crouch. I can do service with my body. You know, I can take care of my loved ones. I can volunteer. I can work. I can do a lot of things with my body. I feel really, really grateful for that. Mm. That is something that back in the day when I had a God-centric prayer practice was something that I did for my prayer. I felt grateful first for my body, for my mind, for my family, for my friends. I would just extend that out wider and wider, my gratitude. And I think you can still do that with masturbation. To me, pleasure is a prayer. Mm. That Say that one more time. It is. <laughs> pleasure is a prayer. It is a beautiful, energetic moment when you're saying, you're unapologetically saying, I'm alive. I have a body. I feel good. I can do things. I am grateful. It's, I'm tearing up because I really feel passionately about this. I really feel that pleasure is so important. And it is, it's our birthright. I think it's our birthright as human beings to feel pleasure. Mm. I mean, I have, I'm having such a revelation too, because if I think about it, <clears throat> any masturbation I've done has been 
focused on orgasm and focused on more of my traumatic experiences and thoughts. Mm. Um, and this is when I'll say I've resided in a lot of rape fantasy because mm -hmm. the moment I was supposed to save myself from marriage, my fantasy life switched. And I remember it to a day. I was fantasizing about this boy that I had a huge crush on. And we always had sex in his car in my imagination. Mm -hmm. And I would get off on that. He would bring me flowers. He would say I was beautiful. He'd kiss my face all over. And then we'd start having sex. And that was my fantasy life. When I went to youth group and they told me that consensual unmarried sex was a sin, I felt so guilty about sex that even my fantasy wasn't allowed to be consensual in my head. Because I was like, if I fantasize about consensual sex, I am sinning because I am desiring sex outside of marriage. And at first I started trying to... It was a lot of work and other girls have done it where you actually imagine you're on your honeymoon and you look down and there's a ring on your left finger and you're like, I'm married in this scenario. I'm married in this scenario. And, or you imagine a whole wedding while you're getting started. It's and so elaborate. <laughs> it's like, it's ridiculous. It's exhausting. I will tell you that. And then I just bypassed all of that because it wasn't working. And then it became the next time I fantasized about Steve, he pushed me into his car and forced me and then I had this like revelation and discovery I was like oh that felt good that's what I yeah. like and ever since then that was the only thing and um it's so funny that I feel scared to talk to God while masturbating and be connected to my body and associate my spirituality with pleasure and yet the masturbation I've done has been quick, in the dark, thinking dark thoughts, and then like leaving the room and in like, and not even disgust or shame, but just being like compartment. That's a yeah. compartment of my life. Dissociation. Yeah. So it's, it's just wild to me that I feel blasphemous doing one, but the way I have been doing it, does that not sound like more of a quote sin? Like right. it seems so clear when you just lay it out like that. Well, first, I want to release a lot of people right now. Please do. <laughs> Rape fantasies, non-consent fantasies are the number one fantasies among women. Don't feel ashamed, girls. I do know. Do not feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. You're not weird. You're not wrong. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. So what does that stop with stem that? from? It stems from just what we're talking about. <laughs> if you're not allowed to have consensual sex, if you're not allowed to feel pleasure, well, then it would be real convenient if someone forced you to, yeah. right? Because it's not your fault anymore. Mm -hmm. That's not your fault if they grab you and pin you down, but you like it. That's not your fault, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a really convenient thing to think about and masturbate to. And we often find once we acknowledge those fantasies sometimes they just kind of disappear because we lose interest in them yeah but once you bring darkness into the light it just turns into light yeah yeah and I will admit that with my last partner who I love we explored that a lot and now it like makes me sleepy it doesn't <laughs> even turn me on anymore I'm like I'm like okay can we like look each other in the eye now because I'm bored? Right. <laughs> if pleasure is a sin, it makes sense that we would masturbate or fantasize about not 
having a choice in the matter, right? Exactly. And I'm sure tons of women in secular society feel the same. Yeah. So straight up, if you're not wrong, you're not broken, whatever you masturbate about is totally fine. Mm -hmm. That's your time, right? That's your time to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. So in this scenario of getting healthy and connecting mind, body to soul, and I think that this, the masturbation just sounds like such a clear and obvious first step to realigning our spirit with our body Mm -hmm. because it's not for me it doesn't put the burden on a partner not that I would love a partner that was down to be burdened by me frankly but you know I'd like to do this work on my own first so you're first connecting to just the center of pleasure and expressing gratitude and realizing what feels good and then how do you carry on and keep that growing by continuing to focus on pleasure continuing to focus on desire continuing to it's it's ongoing work continuing to challenge your personal beliefs that limit you Mm -hmm. right we these keep coming up for people most people do not receive loving comprehensive sex education no so unfortunately, and with my clients, this is, I, I am honest with my clients about this. 80% of the work we do together will be me supporting you unlearning. And yeah. 20% will be me helping to teach you new things, right? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And it's, it's not quick. I wish I could say it's quick and easy. It's not. But the first steps are acknowledging your pleasures your desires continuing to challenge the things that limit you from that asking yourself questions asking the people in your life questions about those negative limiting beliefs and moving through them into a place where hopefully you can embody pleasure and gratitude and that can be that can be as present when you are at work as it is, can be as present when you're masturbating by yourself. Mm -hmm. That might sound unusual, but it's true. Um, The other thing I want to talk about is the idea we have around masturbation. We've touched on this a little bit in the conversation so far, but pornography, uh, fantasy life, goal-orientated, orgasm-focused masturbation, There's a lot of what we see in society, and this is not just among religious people. This is absolutely at least 90% of the women I've I've seen over the many years that I've been helping them. Even amongst the most sex-positive women I've ever met, these are women that are wiling out with their sexuality, (laughs) right? They are unabashedly sexual I often, one of my favorite questions to ask is, how do you masturbate? Can you give me a little rundown? It doesn't have to be detailed, right? (laughs) But it usually goes like this. I realize I have time or I've scheduled time. I turn on porn. I turn on my vibrator. I turn off my brain. Mm. I wait till I come. And then I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Do you have sex with your partner like that? Most people say no. With most people, with their partner, there's connection, there's intimacy, there's foreplay, there's non-sexual touch even before the foreplay, right? There's kissing, there's hugging, there's maybe communication around sexuality, your desires. 
And that's all before the sex even starts. So why is it that we, and also, sorry, just to go back a little bit, during sex with a partner, we often don't put that same goal on them. I don't think many people would shame their partner for not having an orgasm during sex. I hope, I hope that not many people would do that. I do. I'm not just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So why do we give ourselves this really low quality sexual encounter Mm. where we have no foreplay, we have no intimacy, we have no connection with self, we have no gratitude, we have no presence, we have no embodiment of pleasure, we have no prayer, we just turn our brains off and just get this, scratch this itch, right? It's like Mm -hmm. scratching a mosquito bite. I don't like that at all. Yeah. And I'm not judging that type of sexuality. And I masturbate like that too sometimes. You know, sometimes you got five minutes and you got to get it done. (laughs) Right? You need a release. But the most important thing that I can tell young women, everybody, but very particularly young women, the longest relationship you will ever have in your entire life will be to yourself and perhaps to God, right? Those will be the longest relationships in your life. They need to be your top priority. Mm. Taking care of yourself needs to be your top priority. Having a romantic and sexual relationship with yourself is important. It's so important. Even if that means you light a candle beforehand and that's the only difference, I'll be so proud of you. If there's a listener that (laughs) takes one thing from this and it's lighting a little candle beforehand, amazing. In that small gesture, you acknowledge that you are a being that deserves pleasure, that deserves beauty, and you brought a little bit more sacredness and sensuality into your life and into your sexual practice. I love that. That's really beautiful. That's what I've been realizing too because I'm single right now and I'm not desiring people the way I used to. And I just realize the people that bring me ultimate orgasmic pleasure are men, mm-hmm. are my partners. And I felt like it was such a massive oversight that I'm not capable of bringing myself the same level of pleasure because it makes you feel like you're in some sort of need or you're lacking in some way. When I know that if I practice more, I'm like fully capable of bringing myself the same amount of pleasure as a man. Not that that would ever disqualify or discount a man's presence. I would still almost always prefer the presence of a man. But just to have that capability in yourself would be such a privilege. And I feel like would edify my life for sure, which is why I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, actually. Now that I think about it, I, I will be super honest and say I think my orgasms are more intense when I'm with my partner. Mm -hmm. But the level of care and sweetness that I provide to myself is really important to me. Even if your orgasms aren't of the same caliber when you're solo than they are with your partner, that's totally valid and fine. And if they're more intense than they are with your partner, that's also totally valid and fine. And going on with my message of having a romantic sexual relationship with yourself, that doesn't have to just be in the bedroom. It's beautiful to take yourself on a date, you know, go to the Getty or go to one of the many amazing museums and art galleries that are, you know, 
abundantly available to us, go to a nice restaurant, go for a walk in the park, buy yourself a bottle of wine, some nail polish, whatever it is, but make some statement every week, every day, every hour, however much is available to you, that you matter, Mm. that you are important, that your pleasure is important, your desires are important, and they don't have to be sexual. And if all of this feels really unapproachable to you, start with the least sexual aspect that you can. Get comfortable being a person who deserves to have a bath once a week if that's what's important to you. Yeah. Practice that. Practice that until you feel like you are an abundant creature of pleasure that enjoys and deserves having a bath once a week. Let that be your stepping stone before you get into being a creature that deserves to masturbate every day or however much you want. Yeah. I love it. I think that's a beautiful way to end this because, yeah, just start off small, as small as you need to. Don't go hard on yourself and start on the journey, though. I definitely call all of you listening to start on the journey of letting this infuse into yourself, letting yourself stop compartmentalizing, stop hiding from God when you see pleasure, stop Mm -hmm. running from pleasure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My overarching, most important message, my summary of this whole conversation is to you. Whichever listener needs to hear this today, you are whole, you are wonderful, you are beautiful, you are not broken. Whatever your sexual expression currently is, wherever you currently are at with your body image, and your image of your sexuality is perfect. That's exactly where you're supposed to be. I don't want you to hear any of this and then stop feeling down on yourself that you're not where you want to be. But I urge you to make one small change today that is a radical statement to yourself that you matter and that your pleasure is important. Even if that's eating a healthy meal, taking a bath, lighting a candle before you masturbate, telling your partner what your needs are, Whatever it is, make one small step today to say that you matter. I love it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Um, How can people contact you? They can reach me at IsabellaFrappier at gmail.com. That's I-S-A-B-E-L-L-A-F-R-A-P-P-I-E-R. Um, also at the same name.com is my website. That's probably the easiest way to reach me. And you can find me on Instagram at Bella took a photo. My inbox is always open. If you have questions, if you feel confronted by any of this, but you're also kind of curious, I am a super safe person to reach out to. I will never judge you and I'll just be here to listen. Oh, thank you so much for offering that to people. That's really amazing and valuable. Um, We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm sure we'll have another podcast with Isabella because this was wonderful. Please let me know, you know, your thoughts on this. If you had additional questions and maybe in the near future, we could dive back in and answer some more of your questions. So we love you guys. God bless.